Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Hello, Goal Achievers, members of the Miracle Morning community, friends, family, fellow human beings. Welcome to today's podcast. Today, you're about to hear a conversation that I just finished having with Robin Conley Downs, who is absolutely lovely. She's a speaker and educator, and she's the author of a brand new book that literally came out, I think, about two weeks ago. It is called The Feel Good Effect, Reclaim Your Wellness by Creating Small Shifts that Create Big change. And Robin's background is in education. She has a master's degree in education with an emphasis in behavior change. And she also has four years of public policy and health change at the doctoral level. She's really an expert at what she does. And her work taps into cutting edge science around psychology, neuroscience, mindfulness, and habits. And those are really the topics that we dive in today. Um, Before we do, I want to talk to you about vitamins. And I know you're like, wait, what? That was a pivot. How that was quick. Here's what I'm talking about. So as you know, this is the third week that we've taken on Organifi as our first sponsor. And I want to share something with you. If you take vitamins, if you don't take vitamins, this is, I think, really important to be aware of. And it's the difference between synthetic vitamins and natural whole food vitamins. So most vitamins, I don't know the percentage, I would assume it's 98 to 99% of the vitamins sold in the United States, I can't speak for other countries, but in the United States are synthetic vitamins. And synthetic vitamins are made from chemicals to mimic the natural way your body absorbs nutrients from food. However, they are chemicals, they are not real. For example, vitamin C, I posted an article about this a few weeks ago, Vitamin C in most vitamins, you've probably noticed it's made from ascorbic acid. That's not natural. That's a chemical synthetic compound that mimics vitamin C. In fact, and if you actually Google how ascorbic acid is made, most of it comes from China. They use chemicals to extract it. I mean, there's there's the whole process to create that form of vitamin C is it's really not what you want to put in your body. In fact, synthetic vitamins are difficult for your body to absorb and they can even cause health issues. So you're actually often doing more harm than good with synthetic vitamins. So I learned this probably, I don't know, I don't remember how many years ago, but I started really going down that rabbit hole of nutrition and understanding what whole food vitamins are. And whole food vitamins, for example, with vitamin C, in order to get my vitamin C, I don't use ascorbic acid. I use uh, acerola, A-C-E-R-O-L-A, cherry powder, right? Which is, and it has like 500 to 800% of my daily vitamin C allowance, but it's actually from the food from these cherries, right? It's not from a synthetic compound. So anyway, the reason I bring all of that up is the company Organifi that I announced on the podcast a couple of weeks ago is our first sponsor. Everything that they produce, all of their supplements, all of their powders, all of their vitamins, everything they do, it is a whole food product, a whole food supplement. So for example, their immune support, the ingredients are organic orange juice powder, organic acerola extract, which I just mentioned, organic turmeric powder, organic olive leaf, zinc, 
organic ginger extract and vegan vitamin D3, which I would imagine is from, I can't think how to say the, the word, but anyway, it's one of the only vegan sources of vitamin D. So the point is, if you want to boost your health, if you want to boost your energy, it's really important that you vet out the vitamins that you buy. And to do that, it's, you know, it, it really, you find the companies, the few companies, there's another one called Dr. Scholes, S-C-H-U-L-Z-E, Pure Health. There, there's a few different companies that do whole food vitamins, but again, it is the minority. And that is one of the reasons that I use Organifi myself. I believe in it and all their products from their protein powder to their green juice to their red juice, Everything is made with whole foods, not made with chemicals. So if you want to boost your health, if you want to boost your energy, check out Organifi.com forward slash Hal. That is Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash Hal and use the code Hal, H-A-L at checkout and you get 15% off your whole order. Um, I take their products every day. I recommend them. And I hope you will enjoy them and feel as good about the choices when you're looking at the labels, because that's the thing. You look at the labels and you're like, oh my God, what is all this crap that they put in here? And with Organifi, you can trust that it is the cleanest whole food supplements that you can take. So check out Organifi.com forward slash Hal and uh, use the code Hal to get 15% off your whole order. And let me know what you think. I'm getting great feedback so far from those of you that are giving their products a try. And I would love to hear what you think. All right, here you go my conversation with Robin Conley Downs about her new book and mostly the strategies in it. She's giving them away today. She's not going to tease you. You're gonna, she's going to deep dive with you and with me on her new book, The Feel Good Effect. Enjoy. Robin, it is so great to be with you again. Oh, Hal, thank you so much for having me. You had me on your podcast uh, when The Miracle Equation came out, which was I didn't even know how long ago, five, six, no, a year ago. <laughs> I was going to say, I think it's longer than that. But it's, in podcasting world, I feel like I, I talked to people yesterday and then I realized it was like two years ago. But yeah, a year ago, I got to chat with you oh, about Miracle, Miracle Equation. Equation. In my mind for a second, I, I was remembering March, but I'm like, oh wait, that was 2019, not 2020. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so you have so much going on right now. Like You are an author with a brand new book. You are a podcaster. You were recently named one of the most influential women in wellness, which congratulations. That's a pretty cool title, honor. You. you live in Portland, which is craziness going on there between the wildfires and the riots and all, all this craziness. And you're a wife and a mom trying to keep the home together. So what's life like right now? Like, What's your primary focus? You know... I think it's really interesting to have this book, The Feel Good Effect, come out at this moment in time because I wrote it from a place in my life where it wasn't the same. I mean, there's never been anything like this, right? But yeah. at the time in my life where I was really struggling, it was right after my um, daughter was born and I was working a 60-hour week job, like a corporate style job. And then um, I was in a full-time doctoral program at nights and weekends. And I kind of lost myself and find myself at the bottom of the list telling myself I didn't have time and that, you know, I wasn't, I just couldn't figure this out. Overwhelmed and um, just, you know, not feeling good. And so I came up with this mindset and these strategies that are in the book 
to help myself out of that place. So it's been really interesting to launch this book at this time because I'm falling back on those uh, mindset and habits in the book because you know I have we have no control of anything anyway. But yeah. in particular, this moment has reminded us kind of how little we have control, how little we know about what will happen in the future, and that really like focusing on what what we have now is so important. So I'm just trying to, I mean, I'm sitting here on a floor in a closet. I was happy our internet worked. I mean, day by day. <laughs> and and just this reminder of like what really matters and yeah. um, taking care how important our health is. I know that you know that probably more better than most people. But um, yeah, I, I feel like it's giving me a really good opportunity to practice everything that I teach. Yeah, I felt the same way when I was, yeah, when COVID hit and life felt out of control. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm the one that teaches these practices right. to keep people grounded. Like I need to take my own medicine like now exactly. more than ever. That's yeah. great. And I think it's such a reminder that we're all human. You know, you read, like I read someone's book and I'm like, oh, they have it all figured out. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. we're all humans making mistakes and trying to figure it out, right? Like trying right. To, to maintain. You mentioned the word mindset a minute ago. And I want to start there because I want to hear how you define mindset how you nurture yours or recommend people nurture theirs. Because right now, I've been talking a lot on the podcast for the last you know, six months that that's the only thing that we ultimately have control over is, you, know, you can call it mindset, you know, our inner world, our inner state, what we think, what we focus on, but it's all the inner game, if you will. And so first, how do you define mindset? And then how do you nurture yours right now and beyond? Yeah, I'm so glad you want to start there because, and I'm so happy you teach that. I listen to your podcast, so I know you talk (laughs) about it. Um, And I think a lot of us who have studied sort of personal development goals, and that's where we land, right? Because you realize that habits and strategies are important, but without mindset, they have nothing, there's no foundation, right? And there's no sustainability or stability. So I have a background in psychology and um, neuroscience and habit formation. So I really wanted to do a little work in this book to just define what mindset is because it's used so often and in different ways, right? And really to simplify like what's happening in your brain. So I have this definition, a little um, illustration in the book, but the idea is that there really, your brain has what I call thought patterns or these connections. So in any given moment, an experience can happen or information can come in, and this happens all day. And with mindset, the mindset is this thought pattern. So I can give you an example. I'll give you the four steps. So information or experience happens, a thought pattern occurs, which gets you an action, which gets you a result. And what's so interesting is that we often focus on actions, right? We want to change our actions and we always talk about results. But underneath that are these thought patterns and they, we practice them over and over. And so if you're getting, if you're taking actions over and over that you don't like, and certainly if you're not getting the results you want, it's often because we're practicing thought patterns that are not effective. So for me, really, what's really important is number one, that awareness. So even knowing that that's happening, knowing that it's not your fault, that you're not faulty or doing something wrong. This is just the way our brains are wired and how kind of culturally and where we live influences that, how we're raised, but that it's also changeable. So we know with neuroscience that it's called neuroplasticity. So maybe you've heard that before. Yeah. Neurons that um, fire together, wire together. So we can change these patterns and get different actions and different results. So I know I just said a lot. I'm going to pause just for a second because I get really excited about talking about this. But some I found for me just sort of understanding the basics really helps me to know it's not just like woo. 
It's actually how our brains work. And so yeah. when we understand that, we can practice something different. Yeah, I agree completely. And I think, well, let me go into here this. So you mentioned four steps to blank and I'm taking notes and anyone that's listening, I want to make sure that they can really grasp this. So how would you define the four steps you just gave? What are those four steps to? I missed that part. I didn't quite catch that. And then I want to go over those four steps kind of slowly so that we can take that in. Absolutely. And if you have the book, it's on page 27 of the book. So I call it the mindset loop. And really, this is the four steps to the results that what's happening in your brain with mindset and how it impacts your results. So step one is information or experience happens. So for example, let's say you miss a workout. So you were supposed to work out today. How, what kind of, what is your exercise of choice? I feel like last time I listened to your podcast, you were bike riding. Yeah. I go biking every morning and then I lift weights uh, later in the day. Okay. So you had the plan you were going to bike ride. And if you live in Portland, the air quality is 400. So you're not bike riding today and you mm. missed the workout. So that's the experience or information. Step two is that your brain interprets this according to a thought pattern. So for example, this is like for me, the magic. So for example, with the bike, missing the bike ride, you could interpret that and say, you know, I'm such, you know, I always say I'm going to do something and I never do it and I miss it again. Or another thought pattern might be like, hey, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody misses a day. No big deal. So those are our kind of two different pathways now. Yeah. Interesting thing, again, I know that you teach this, is that once we have, once our brain interprets this information or experience with the thought pattern, it gives us a different action. So I bet you can guess, like, what's the action for people who the thought pattern says, like, you're such, you know, you missed another day, like, good job, you're such a failure, or whatever the thing is that we say to ourselves. That person is less likely to, to, to get right back to it the next day. Yeah. And the opposite another different thought pattern is, hey, no big deal. You made a mistake or like life got in the way. We'll do it again tomorrow and you get right back to it. And then those actions, that action that you take is going to get you the result. Because if you continue to come back on after missed days and give yourself some some kindness, some self-compassion, you're going to keep going with it even when life has these ups and downs. Or you're going to probably give off and quote unquote, fall off the wagon. And so it's so interesting because it's the same thing that happened, right? You missed a day, but that thought pattern gives you two different actions and two different results. I love this. So information or experience happens, right? And then that's step one. Step two, our brain interprets this according to a thought pattern. And often, right, it's what the same thing we've thought over and over and over and over and over and over again and ingrain this thought pattern. You know, when you hit traffic, typically your thought pattern is the same as it was the last 50 times you hit traffic, right? When your child spills something on the floor, your thought pattern that leads to the action and the result is the same as it was 50 times and on and on and on. And so the information or experience happens. Number two, your brain interprets this according to the thought pattern. So it's either we can say for, to keep it simple, either you have a positive, proactive thought pattern, right? That leads you toward a positive action, or you have a negative, discouraging, detrimental thought pattern. And correct me if I'm off on any of this, just want to repeat back what I'm hearing, what I'm learning. Number three, action or inaction as a result of the brain's interpretation of the information or the experience that occurred. And then step four is a result is created. Did I get them all? Yeah. And the only thing I'd add there is like two kind of nuances is in that 
second step, the Mm -hmm. interpreting, one that's invisible. And so you did kind of touch on that, how we practice it over and Mm -hmm. over, but because it's invisible, we don't realize that we can change it. So we think that it's like about willpower or discipline, but really it's just something we, a response we practiced in our brain that we can practice something else. And just an, another nuance with negative and positive, like it doesn't even have to be negative and positive, but it can certainly be like moving your toward your goal or not. So I think that it doesn't always have to even be a positive thought, but it could certainly be like, I like proactive, I think is a, maybe a better way, way to go with that because yeah. it's not even about thinking positively. It's probably more about thinking proactively. Yeah. As opposed to positive or negative, useful or not useful, right? Useful right. in terms of what your ultimate objectives are in life, to be happy, to be healthy, to be wealthy, to be right. Yes. All of those things. Okay. So let's take this into the next, what I would see as kind of the next step, next phase, if you will. We just addressed the mindset loop, right? You're thinking how it occurs, how it leads to an action, which leads to a result, which all occurs, starts with our thinking. Your background, you mentioned, is in habit formation, neuroscience, habit formation. What are the steps to turning a healthy behavior behavior uh, into a habit? So we kind of already got into this a little bit. So okay. step one is awareness. So noticing that this is happening. So as you start to notice, so having that four-step framework or the mindset loop graphic or however you want to remember it, just pausing long enough to notice that that's happening, that something in between the action and the the experience and the action, that that's a thought pattern. Right off the bat, that's actually going to make a really big difference just to notice that because then you can't change something that you don't know is there. So awareness is the first step. And the second step is really simple. It's practice. And it's Mm -hmm. similar to what you teach in the miracle equation. It's something, it's repeated over time with enough consistency that you form the habit and that you kind of change the trajectory. So do you have a, like a a tangible logistical recommendation for doing that in terms of, you know, there's, I think it was psycho- Psycho-cybernetics, I think, that popularized the 21-day, you know, it takes 21 days to change a habit. And then the book, The One Thing, uh, references the Harvard study that it takes 68 days. I kind of land, you know, in the middle at like 30 days is what I usually recommend or focus or teach. How do you take those positive changes that you want to make? I know you say repetition, but is it a certain amount of days? Is it a certain amount of times? Do you have a strategy of like, how do you overcome the procrastination or the inertia? Like, I'd love a kind of a, your advice if you were coaching me or anybody listening on, all right, you want to start eating better. You want to start exercising. Here's, you know, plan on this many days, get some accountability. Like what's the logistical plan of action that you'd recommend? Sure. So I think first and foremost, you want to identify what the habit is. Most people tend to go too big at the beginning. So they're like, I want to change my eating habits. And instead of saying, you know, what specifically about your eating habits do you want to change? So if you wanted to, for example, start eating a better breakfast, like add in a green smoothie to your breakfast, um, then you need to, one, focus on what are the steps that you need to do each day. So 
the day thing, Hal, is there is so much research that kind of varies about how long something takes. But I think your 30-day formula works really well. It's very... Like it's not too long that you're going to lose interest, but it's long enough that you can actually have some success. Um, So I think picking a 30-day window makes a lot of sense. I think also having a time of day in which you practice that habit. So the miracle morning is the perfect example, right? That you have like a designated time. Because if we just let it kind of hope that we'll find time, we know that that doesn't work. So let's say you have 30 days, you have a specific time that you're going to practice. um, And then you look at what is it that I need to do on a daily basis to make this happen. So a lot of times we think like in general, again, we in general, I want to eat healthier. But if the goal is I want, let's say more specifically, I want to eat a better breakfast, then what do you need to do each day to make that happen? Yeah. That right there, I think is gold. Just the idea of you've got to be so precise, so specific in what the change you want to make. And I think a lot of people, that's probably where they fall short is they go, I want to eat better. I know I need to eat better. Right. Mm -hmm. And they just repeat that over and over and over and over. Ah, I should eat better. I need, it's like, well, that's not very measurable, not actionable, right? You've got to go, well, what does, how do you define eating better? Right. What are you going to be cutting out of the diet that is not good for you that you know you shouldn't be eating? Or what are you going to add in? Like you said, maybe you start with that, you know, green smoothie in the morning or whatever. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot here in 2020, or I mean, you could choose any time frame. but what have been some of the most valuable habits that you've changed in your life? So the first is like habit of mind. So back to this mindset thing, yeah. because I feel like when people set habits, they're often talking about these actions, which are important, of course. Like I'm going to get up and make a green smoothie, which is the action. One of the most profoundly, like change, the most profound change of my life was focusing on these habits of mind or shifting mindset. And it's a little bit trickier because we can't, it doesn't have like an external measure, right? But we do actually have a lot of research to support it. So specifically in the book, I talk about what I call the striving mindset and then the feel-good mindset. So the striving mindset is sort of the barriers that we found in the research that hold people back, particularly around wellness. And the feel-good mindset is the antidote to that. So for me, um, I realized through this work that one of the mindsets that really is a barrier for me is perfection-based thinking. So a lot of people think, well, I'm not a perfectionist because I don't have a perfectly clean car or I don't, you know, whatever we think of when we think of perfectionist. But perfectionism can actually, perfectionist-based thinking, that second step in the framework, in the four-part framework, oftentimes causes us to procrastinate because if we can't get it perfect, then why would we do it at all? Why would we even start? Or making mistakes just feels so painful that I wouldn't, you know, try. I didn't, I wouldn't even write the book because (laughs) making the mistake, not writing it right or not having the blueprint was so painful. And so the antidote to that is, uh, and I know that this is like, a little bit of a stretch for a lot of people in personal development because they want the tactics. But I'm telling you that self-compassion or kindness, self-kindness has been shown in the research to be linked with better productivity, better ability to stick with long-term goals, obviously like um, more happiness and health in your own life and also for those around you. So for me, the practice of learning self-compassion and switching that mindset loop from perfection-based thinking towards self-compassion has actually been one of the biggest game changers for me, like more than some of the action habits that I've focused on. 
Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And I think, because ultimately it's how we feel about ourselves at the end of the day. If you wake up and you're like, I'm a badass, like I can do anything, right? And it's funny, I often teach that with affirmations, like that the ideal affirmation isn't just one that pumps yourself up and you know tells you that you're wonderful, right? So although I say that, I think that there's room for that too. You know, and sometimes for me when I'm riding a bike, I just literally, when I'm on my bike ride every day, I'll just go, I love my life. I love myself. I am unstoppable. I can do anything. So I think there is room for that, you know, just kind of encouraging. And it's the same thing, encouraging yourself in the same way that encouragement works, period, right? Wherever the source comes from. And it's like even more than affirmations, it's the thought pattern of beating yourself up for making mistake has been shown in the research to just tank your productivity and your ability to reach your goals. So if you're someone that consistently beats themselves up when they make a mistake, there's a different way. And it, it might not even be like an affirmation. It might just be like, I make a mistake. And the habit is instead of beating myself up, I say, making mistakes is part of the human experience. And yeah. now I move forward. And this has been, it's game changing. And it's incredible to see like the results from this small habit shift in the research. So like whether it's that one or there's um, a shift around all or nothing thinking. So if you're a very black or white thinking kind of person, you could practice a different way of thinking that's a little more flexible. And so noticing like, gosh, my brain is going all or nothing. Let me give myself a, some other options here. Gotcha. That makes sense. Let's talk about mindfulness for a few here. You're one of the things you talk in the book about, you know, you give tips for integrating mindfulness into daily lives and routines. And I recently had Juliana Ray. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Juliana Ray. She's a founder of Unified Mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's been kind of a mindfulness coach for me for, you know, I don't even know, half a decade probably. But she talked a lot about how mindfulness is not just meditation, which is kind of, I think, the assumption or interpretation. You know, people think, oh, yeah, mindfulness, you do it in the morning or you do it when Mm -hmm. you sit there with your legs crossed, right? Um, so I'd love to hear your perspective on integrating mindfulness into daily lives and routines and really to kind of, I'd love to hear after talking with her and her addressing that topic, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, it's such a great point, Hal, because I feel like, especially in the West, we think that mindfulness means you have to meditate. Yeah. And so I'm a huge proponent of meditation. It's you know great, but I also think that it's sort of a little hard to access. A lot of people say they should be doing it, but they, they can't get into it. So you don't have to meditate to practice mindfulness. That's the good news. Yeah. And I've, I found that integrating, I love that word integration, right? Integrating mindfulness into your life is a lot, it's a much easier first step than starting to learn to meditate. Um, so I have like a four part framework in the book about integration of mindfulness, but it starts with, it's the four P's. So it's pause, which I already mentioned. So having places in your day where you pause whether that's part of your miracle morning. Um, I do like a four-part mini wellness routine. So I have a morning routine, but I also pause mid-morning, mid-afternoon, and evening. And then I pay attention whether it's... I could pay attention to anything. Mindfulness is actually just paying attention on purpose without mm. judgment. Uh, Literally, that's... Paying attention on the, purpose without judgment. I love that. Yes. Yeah. So... Isn't that great? Because we can all do that and we don't have yeah. to have separate time or 
place and it's, you know, we can do it for free. So if I'm pausing and I think what, you know, what do I want to pay attention on purpose to without judgment and the judgment is not judging yourself. So not expecting perfection of yourself or, you know, not judging yourself if you're distracted by something. So you could pay attention on purpose with kindness to um, your breath. That's a very common example, but it could be something um, as like lovely as the, you know, I love doing a little mindfulness with my coffee. I don't remember if you're a coffee drinker, but if you're a coffee or a tea or any of your favorite beverage, just holding it and like, how does that feel? And what's the smell and how does it taste? And just paying attention on purpose that's mindfulness. And so you can start to see that ripple. The more you train your brain to do that, you could pay attention on purpose without judgment on a walk. When you're playing with your kids, I think a lot of us feel bad that we're not maybe present enough, but you don't have to have hours with your kids. If you're just paying attention on purpose to what they're doing and what they're saying and how they, how you feel being with them, that's mindfulness on its own. Yeah. And it's so counterintuitive. And I don't know if that's just the way we're conditioned in today's, you know, fast paced digital notification ping buzz society or what, but it just seems, you know, now we're always thinking of something, right? We're always thinking of the next thing that we're going to do and we're not fully present. I have one of my favorite quotes. It's so simple. Uh, It's in my affirmations is just Jason Mraz in one of his songs. He said, life is for living. Yeah. And it's like, that's it. Yeah. It's not for projecting into the future. It's not for worrying. It's not for stressing. It's not for being in fear. It's not for thinking about the pet, right? It's for living, which the only thing that's real, the only thing you can live is this moment all the time. I love the example of the coffee. That's actually one for, in fact, when you said that, I have some green tea in front of me. I picked up the cup. Like mm-hmm. I paid attention to the way it felt in my hand. I took a sip while you were talking. I felt it go down, right? Like, and, what I love about what you said and just integrating mindfulness in the day, and I know we still have three more P's that I want to dive into, but is you just, you get more out of life. Like yesterday, day before yesterday on Sunday, I was walking from the kitchen to the bedroom and uh, my wife was laying in bed. It was in the morning and I said, sweetie, that was amazing. And she said, what? I said, I paid attention to every, the feel of my foot, the pad of my foot on the wooden floors as I walked and the way it sound in the creek. And I just paid attention to every moment from the kitchen to here. And it was an incredible experience. I go, that's how you make life. You get 10 times more out of life by simply being fully present moment. And you know, I think she's like, you're weird. Let me go back to sleep or whatever. But, <laughs> I love um, that. But, you're uh, like a mindfulness master. But do you think, I feel like we overcomplicate it. We think it means that you have to be like in a, on a cushion on a yeah. mountain. And, and I think that deprives us from the fact that you can literally be mindful walking into the bedroom and you, and also you remember that, right? Because yeah. it locked into your brain, this experience. So your life doesn't then sort of just, do you ever feel like it's blurs day? Oh, yeah. <laughs> lately? Uh-huh. It, it's like, you kind of can stop that slippage of time because you are absorbing, you're paying attention and you are absorbing the good parts. Yeah. And a great example of that is when you're not paying attention and someone says something to you, let's say you're on your phone and somebody comes up and they say, you know, your child, whatever they say something to you, but you're on your phone. And then you look up and you go, you shake your head. Kind of, well, sorry, what? <laughs> That's an example of the opposite of it, right? When you're yeah. not present to what's happening, you don't remember it, right? It might as well have not happened. And right. I think that's what's going on in our lives is we're going through life 
not present, just totally distracted, always thinking about another thing we could be doing or should be doing or want to do in the midst of whatever it is that we're doing. And we're missing out on life, right? We're missing it. And like I talk about the feel-good effect, like this overall sense of well-being. Not only are we missing it, but it's making us feel bad. So this practicing of a daily mindfulness practice that's like super simple and also, by the way, joyful, helps you to feel good in the life that you have right now, even amidst like things that might be difficult or challenging. Yeah. Yeah. That's very well said. Let's go through the other three Ps and then I want to talk about the feel good effect. I mean, I know everything we're talking about is, you know, a lot of what's in the feel good effect, but I want to go specific into the book and how people are going to, what they're going to get out of it, why you wrote it, all those things. But so far of the four Ps of mindfulness integration, I've got pause, find a place in your day or places in your day when you pay attention on purpose without judgment. I love that definition of mindfulness. What's the second P? Well, you actually got two there. There's so (laughs) many Ps. You added more. I'm like, we should add place. And maybe it should be five Ps. But um, I like it. I'm going to give you credit for that. That'll be the expanded edition of the book. (laughs) So uh, pause pay attention. I would say pause place. So if you can, if you can designate a place or awareness of place, that will make a big difference. So pause, pay attention, practice. So doing this on a regular basis, whether it be on a daily basis or a few times a day will actually change your brain, which will change your life. So it will become more intuitive. So, you know, you were noticing how you were walking. Well, the more you practice that, the more that you'll notice, like when you're on a walk, when you're on a bike ride, what does the air smell like? How does your body feel? You know, what's the wind like? Yeah. And you'll be able to experience that moment without trying because your brain actually changes. And then the last P is patience because while it's incredibly effective, it does take time. I mean, your brain was wired one way for a long time, but with time and, and practice and patience, you'll notice that um, you remember the good of your day more, right? That you kind of remember the joy and that you um, your default mode isn't inattention. Your, your default mode becomes present because of this practice. Yeah, that's what I'm noticing is, I mean, I am like, you know, I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was in my early 20s and I'm like, you know, I'm a space cadet. I'm all over the place all the time. My brain goes a million miles an hour as anyone can tell when they hear me talk. Um, But that's what I've been noticing lately is I've really committed to mindfulness so much more and being present in everything that I do. And, uh, you know, on the bike ride, it's exactly it. I focus on what do I see? And I just kind of like make my field of vision, everything, try to see everything at once, take in all of the trees, the clouds, the sky, the sunshine, the pavement, right? All of it at once. Then I focus on what do I hear? And I listen to the sounds of the bike. I listen to the wind in my ears. I just, I listen to the car driving down the street. I listen to all of it at once. And then I go, what do I feel? And I do an assessment of, I feel my hands gripping the handlebars. I feel my butt on the seat. I feel my calves are burning as I go up this hill, right? And I rotate through those three. And then I go back to, what do I see now? What do I hear? And then when I go fully present into the sea, and then I go, what do I hear now? And then I go fully present into the here. And then what do I feel now? And it's usually, the feel usually stays consistent. Our calves are still burning, hands are still gripping, right? So um, yeah, so to your point, it becomes more intuitive and natural and kind of automatic. And you literally, you start to realize that you're like Jason Mraz, life is for living. Like you're actually living yeah. 
life, not in your head about some future life or past life or, you know what I mean? Or what's going on over there? What are they talking about or thinking about? Like you're fully in the moment. And to me, that is the rich, it's become the richest way to live. So let's talk about your new book, um, yeah. Feel Good Effect. Uh, I, I would imagine that most of what we talked about today, this is all stuff that's woven in the book, I'm assuming. Yep. Everything we talked about today is in there. So and kind of what you just said, I mean, I know we're coming to an end. I'd love to have a set another conversation, Hal, about mindfulness and ADHD, because I feel like you actually have some superpowers um, as someone with a, having an ADHD brain with, when it comes to mindfulness. Like it's not even a, a like a detriment. It's actually yeah. helpful. And like you can, you can pull all those things in at once, which is so exciting. Anyway, side note, different conversation, but all related right. to this book, um, it's, Everything we talked about today, so the mindset loop is in there, those four steps, the four Ps are in there, and it's really written in an accessible, beautiful way where you can kind of pick it up, read a little section. I mean, it very chunked, so you could read it in sections, and um, goes through mindset, the striving mindset, the feel-good mindset, and then the second section is the good method, which is really about habits and routines for um, feeling good. And then I did put a challenge in there at the end. My husband and I have a verb. It's called um, L-rotting something. <laughs> and <laughs> so I've, you know, been a follower of your work for a long time. When when you were on my show, we talked about, you know, this, how you got your book out there over time, right? Over consistent yeah. time. And so um, I also L-rotted the end of my book by putting a 30-day challenge in there. So those of you who do a miracle morning, um, I believe that there's a lot of exercises in here that you could pull to add into your miracle morning. It goes super well with that practice. And so it's audiobook and hardcover anywhere books are sold. So I'm glad L-rotting is, uh, it sounds like it's a positive thing. Oh yeah. Really- no, let, I, I want your community, <laughs> like let's make this a thing. So you L-rod something when you go for that miracle equation, when you go over time with consistency, um, rather than like, it doesn't all have to, you don't have to hit it out of the park on the first day. Like you can just show up, do the work and over time, something incredible happens. Got it. So L-rotting means like, kind of means the miracle equation, like unwavering faith, extraordinary effort over an extended period of time. That's how you find it. Absolutely. So Yes, you could just call your next book How to Elrod. How to Elrod, the Elrod effect. There you go. <laughs> the Elrod effect. I love it. Awesome. So let me ask you, when did you decide that you wanted to write this book? Was there a defining moment? Was it you were teaching or coaching people? And then they like what what led to the book? What led to the decision like I'm going to do it cuz that's it's a big undertaking for anyone that's you know written a book. Yeah. Well, I have a podcast called The Feel Good Effect, which we mentioned, which I've had you on as guests. And it was really, I mean, I don't know, I'm sure you have this experience with your community. It was hearing from people saying, I love, you know, your podcast, the way you teach has changed my life. And I want it like in a, I want something I can hold and put on my nightstand and come back to. Because when you're listening to somebody, it's one thing, but when you have it written down, you don't have to take notes the whole time. It's It's really nice. So that was like the the driving force. And I really felt like I was speaking to my people through my words because of the relationship we had built through the podcast. Mm, Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, Yeah. You're right. It's the same as me. I had small groups that I would share the miracle morning with like my coaching clients and like Mm -hmm. I would speak at my BNI group or my Toastmasters group and people would come back to me later and go, yeah, this is changing my life. And you're like, okay, I guess, all right, I'm I'm hearing it. I'm listening. I I have responsibility to to make this, you know, bigger and share it in a bigger way. Exactly. Um, 
Awesome. Well, I'm so glad that you did. Um, the Feel Good Effect, everybody, get it on Amazon and where books are sold. And then today, everybody, I just want to, before I say goodbye to you, I just want to remind everybody what, you know, kind of what we went over today. It was starting with talking about mindset and the mindset loop, right? The four steps to kind of rewire your brain or, or I don't know if that was the right term, but it starts out with the information or the experience that happens, right? You either get information, could be that you learn something, someone says something, something happens, right? Then your brain interprets it according to a thought pattern. And this is one of the key components to understand that your experience of life is a programmed experience of life. It's not a definitive experience of life. Meaning when something happens and you feel a certain way, that's not the end all be all. That's just how you feel because of how you've always felt because of maybe what your parents taught you or how you were hurt or, or a trauma you had or right, so on and so forth. And so understanding that, and you mentioned that, you know, Robin, the awareness, that you better have that awareness that it's not unchangeable, but it is absolutely changeable. And then the number step three, the action or inaction that you take as a result of that interpretation. And then that creates your result. And we talked about the four P's of mindfulness integration. And uh, yeah, Robin, I love your work. I loved our conversation on the Feel Good Effect podcast. And if anybody wants to, obviously they know they can get your book on Amazon, The Feel Good Effect. And then what's the best way to connect with you, follow you, keep learning from you, subscribe to the podcast, all of those things. Yes. So the podcast is anywhere you get your podcast. Just type in Feel Good Effect. It'll pop up. You can subscribe. And then I'm on Instagram at Real Food Whole Life, which is the umbrella brand for what I do. So yeah. Real Food Whole Life. And then realfoodwholelife.com. We've got a bunch of free resources for you there. The four Ps, there's a, a free download about that. And also I have like 500 kind of healthy, gluten-free, weeknight, family-friendly recipes on there as well. So just like a one-stop shop for feeling good. Nice. That's fantastic. Awesome. Cool. Well, Robin, it's been a pleasure. Next time we talk, it'll be about mindfulness for ADHD. I think that'll help a lot of people. <laughs> I would love to do that. I would love to do that. Absolutely. In fact, is it, do you have an episode where you address that on your podcast? That somebody can I don't, but that's part of my background. So I, I'm like, ah, we should do that. Maybe I'll have you on and we can workshop that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, keep, we'll just keep taking turns. We'll be regular okay. guests of each other's shows. I'll come on yours. You come back on mine. We'll keep doing it. That's so, a deal. Cool. Robin, well, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you. Thank you for being here today and sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you so much. All right. And goal achievers, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed Robin Conley Downs as much as I did. And uh, go check out the book, The Feel Good Effect. Check out the podcast by the same name. And I love y'all. I will talk to you next week. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast.